Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Okay, we are so excited about today, and Lisa, you've already mocked me enough about how much caffeine I've had, but we've been having these crazy conversations about the the crazy, just kind of... uh, season that we're dealing with on the political level of um, you have all kinds of um, things being said on Facebook and social media. And we were just saying the whole political climate has has kind of been turned upside down. But you just got back from the prayer breakfast in D.C. and you had so many phenomenal stories that I wish we even had time to get through them. But tell us a little bit about just the climate that took place there. Um, well, I just want to warn our listeners that you have had, I think, at least three cups of coffee and you are not breathing as you talk. We, uh, our, our sound engineer, Karina, and I were like just listening and can't, yeah. So anyway, I, but I love that. So you can just keep talking. Uh, yeah, we uh, we were having um, just a conversation about how just we're just kind of living in unprecedented times right now and just kind of unique times. And um, I got to go last week, as you said, to Washington, D.C., to the National Prayer Breakfast, which is an amazing um experience because literally leaders from over 100 they said over 142 countries gathered um together and and it's it's in the name of jesus they come so it's not like you know there's not these religions but there's all these different religions all these different cultures that come together and it really it really is pretty amazing and i spend um time with a lot of people from the middle east and just i get to hear their stories their journeys um, what they're doing. And I got to tell you, I left very encouraged because um, we hear so many negative things on, on the news and in the newspapers. And there is a lot um, that is um, disturbing that's happening, but there's also a lot of amazing things that people are doing behind the scenes that don't get like the, the national attention. Um, and so I was highly encouraged by people of different faiths sitting together in a room and talking about unity and how do we love the other and, and respect the other? And so that was, I love that. Um, but I, I got to tell you a funny story, Patty. I think you'll appreciate that because appreciate this. Cause you know how we love meeting different people and different experiences. Absolutely. So I'm sitting in the lobby of the hotel this one afternoon and I'm just sitting there with another gal. And, um, so then this, this woman comes up and I said, Oh, here's a place if you want to sit. So she sits down and then she has a conversation with somebody and I'm still in this other conversation, but we're sitting right next to each other and, you know, we acknowledge each other and everything, but there's a cold crowd of people cause it's swarming in the, in the lobby. And so a few minutes later she gets up to leave and I just looked at her and I said, Oh, by the way, I'm Lisa. And, um, you know, we didn't, we didn't meet and she said, tell me her name. And I said, so where are you from? And she's, um, she named a country that she's from. And I said, um, okay, I'm a little geographically challenged, but I kind of think I know where that is. And can you tell me? And so she tells me. And um, so I said, well, what do you do there? And she goes, well, I was the former first lady. And I said, 
Oh. <laughs> and I said, can you sit back down? Because <laughs> she's getting ready to leave. And so she sits down. I go, okay, can you explain that? Because we were just like, oh, I'm the former first lady. And so. And you're like, by the way, I'm the first lady as the pastor's wife. So I have a lot in common with you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we have so much in common. Absolutely. So I'm just like fascinated going, okay, explain that. Well, her husband had been the president. He'd been, and, and okay, so you know how I am with accents, right? <laughs> I have a really hard time and we were in a crowded room. So I was not getting the full extent of what it, what was going on, what's happening, but I think I got 80% of it, Do but you it was it, down for me, please. Exactly. And I thought of you cause I'm like, okay, Patty would be laughing right now if she was there. Cause you know how I have to read their, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to follow her and I'm like, wait a minute. Okay. So explain that. And so anyway, it was fascinating just to hear her story briefly, 80% of it that I could understand and, and just realize you just don't know who you're sitting next to. You don't know people's story and that brings them. And so that was really, that was, that was just one of many that was very fascinating. So that, yeah, that is a great story. And you know, you've been doing this. Has it been, this is where my memory is horrible. I would say anywhere from five to 15 years that you've been going to the breakfast. How many years has it been? Well, the first time I went was seven years ago. So you're in the window. Okay. Yeah. See? Yeah. Yeah. See, you did good. Your memory was serving you well. Well, but, I, yeah. And you know what? It's fun because you go back and you always meet new people, but you always see some of the same. And, um, so I talked about you behind your back. I, I ran into Paul Young, the author of The Shack. And yes. by the way, his movie's coming out uh, March 3rd. The Shack is coming out. And so I went up to him and, and um, you know, kind of reintroduced. And, he's, and I said, you remember? And we did the radio. Yes, 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 of course. And so he was talking and asking how we were doing. And, um, and so I was asking about the movie, and it sounds fantastic. So we're going to have to go see that. But um, yeah, so I and I said, okay, we need to get you back on the show again and talk about it. So um, hopefully, we'll have him on in the near future talking about the movie, The Shack, and all. You know, awesome. his journey has been fascinating. You know, as as yeah. you recall, how that all started. But you know, it, it really is about stories and hearing people's stories. But um, it also takes you to places. And you, we were just talking prior to the show about. You know, you find yourself in these different worlds, and you feel like, oh, do I have to be a grown up? And Oh, I don't feel intelligent enough to be a grown up. I think we struggle with that. I think we all struggle with, am I smart enough? Am I good enough? And whatever. And I know you were just telling me a story where you're like, okay, you're getting ready to go speak somewhere and you were kind of casting your vision and you had somebody that was very okay. more stoic. So you tell that story because I think we all relate to this. I'm just laughing so hard because you have been on me all morning that I am so highly caffeinated. <laughs> you have not taken a breath yet. And I, I was cracking up because you actually just, you were interviewed this morning um, for a, a press release. And so I think that you had your share of caffeine as well, or you're coming down from the adrenaline or something. I think I'm coming down for the adrenaline because I had to psych myself up for that. Yes. <laughs> and I can't wait to hear what, what they will write at whatever interview that you did. Um, but yeah, we were just laughing because you felt inadequate and intimidated when they're asking you these questions and your, your brain just goes into that paralysis. And it's almost as if you and I have talked about this, that 
not that either of us are perfectionist, but yet there's a part of you that maybe you are because you want to say something with such excellence or I don't know, even that, like, that was not a good sentence. And so you're aware of it after you say it going, oh, that didn't sound good. But so we're that, okay with that, right? It shuts Sometimes. your brain down any more, even more. And so then you can't think for the next sentence because you go, that didn't come out as well as it did in my head. But yes, I, w- I was speaking to this gal. And like you said, I was just kind of casting the vision and telling her what I'm going to need to, to set this up. And as I'm finding myself, you know, telling her about these specific activities, I'm going to need crayons and pipe cleaners. And she, uh, she was not as openly, like, it wasn't contagious. My my love for this activity was not flowing through the telephone. As she I was wanted. not feeling the fun. No. And she was like, I will not have those items here. And you realize that you have virtual viewers on that from South America that won't be able to participate in this particular activity. And... So anyway, it was just an interesting conversation because I used to think that it was because I was the baby of six that I always felt like I'm not really an adult and I can't really play in your sandbox sandbox mm-hmm. because you're, you've got this high IQ. And I will admit I have a high EQ, though. That's what keeps me going. <laughs> and. And so, but it's funny because you are firstborn and you, and I have shared that you feel the same way. Like you, there's just so many times you still feel like you're the kid in the group Mm -hmm. rather than the adult. And Mm -hmm. it just shows that so many people feel that way. And we all have just our, our, those emotions. And my point of the story that when are we going to ever stop feeling that way and realize we're okay to play in the sandbox. We're okay. We bring something else to the table, even though we might not have the flashy sentences or the powerful, you know, articulate ways of communicating. And, and that we do radio, which is funny, right? So we're speaking, (laughs) (laughs) but you're right. It's like, you gotta, I think what happens is we all like compare ourselves and, and it's, we all feel inadequate in some area of our life. And, and for some reason, this whole like intellect thing has been like with me. It's like, okay, I don't know these big words and how to articulate. And then like, sometimes you're afraid to use a word because you're like, am I using it correctly? Did I say it correctly? So then you go back to your baby words um, to use because you're not sure of your grown up words. And it is really funny because it can be paralyzing, but I mean, we're doing true confessions, right? Right now. This is like really, really true. And I just want to say, because you just had dinner with Bob Goff last weekend, and uh, he has a quote that it just made me think of when you said that about like measuring up. And he says, our worst day isn't bad enough, and our best day isn't good enough. We're invited because we're loved, not because we measure up. And and he also has made a comment about um, how compare ourselves to Jesus and try to be more Christ-like rather than comparing ourselves to others. And boy, does that just hit the mark? He has a, he has an amazing way of putting his words together for sure. 
Well, yeah, and he has amazing stories that go with it, and he has, his personality is larger than life. Yeah. And, and, and you, it's easy to compare and go, I want to be like that. And then you just realize, stay in your own lane. God, you know, God created us a, a certain way, and, and don't, don't worry so much about it. And that's hard. That's hard to do. It's easy to say, but to practice that. And, and so I think that's with each of us. You know, it's like, what, what's in our lane? What is ours to do? And, and do it well and don't, don't focus on what you can't do because that can overwhelm. That's mm-hmm. we, we experience, right? <laughs> so we're gonna. Oh, well, it's been it's been fun um, sharing our true confessions. I I, I say that lightly. Fun um, as we just share our hearts, and that's what this is all about. We just want you know to create the show where um, we we all go. Me too, and we can see ourselves in each other and through each other's stories. So we're gonna take a quick break, and coming up, we're gonna be interviewing an author and talking about her story and what she writes about. So stay with us on Girlfriend at Radio. We'll be right back. This is Girlfriend on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. In your quest to be more active, lose weight, and or eat a healthy diet, you need to chart your course. Having a plan is the way to go. The old adage, fail to plan and plan to fail, holds true. In order to reach your goal, you need to have a specific strategy. Don't just say, I will exercise more. Instead, say, I will walk for at least 30 minutes, seven days a week, and then do it. Don't say, I will eat more fruit and vegetables. Instead, set the goal of having at least one to two vegetables or fruit at each meal. Write your goals down and post your outline where you can see it. Every day, review it and make a plan of how you will incorporate those strategies that day. Chart your course and you will reach your destination. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond keeping you healthy, happy, and fit. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we've been pouring out our deep, dark insecurities. So we're, we're excited now to switch channels and um, it, not talk about us <laughs> and put the focus somewhere. <laughs> so 
We're Thank so- you. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah, let's definitely do that. Uh, we're excited. We have an uh, the author, Ruth Logan Hearn, who has more than a half a million books in print, including 15 love-inspired contemporary novels, Back in the Saddle and Home on the Range were her first two books in her new Western romance series. And she has been writing in blogs and writing all over the place. But the exciting thing about this, she is in upstate New York. She lives there with her husband on a farm. And Ruth, mm-hmm. I want to hear all about your book, but I also want to hear about living on a farm in upstate New York. That just sounds enticing to me. So how are you today? I am good, and I am about as far from that farm in upstate New York as you can get. I am in New York City in Manhattan, trapped by the blizzard. So how funny is that? Oh, wow. hey, you're in Manhattan. <laughs> wow. Okay, so yes, so much. I don't live here. Oh, you you don't I'm live sorry, there. That's ahead. just where you are. I was just saying so much right. for me asking you about all the farm the farming going on. <laughs> no, well, you know what. Being in um, western New York, because that's where I live, I live about six hours west of here, and we do have a farm, and this is the quiet time of year. This is the time where I, like, get so excited because there's writing time, there's quiet time, there aren't people mm-hmm. at my door all the time, and I love people, so the people at my door is a fine thing. However, it does tend to interrupt your flow when you're working on books, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we have a farm. We have six children. Um, four of them are married. We've got 14 grandkids. And, oh. yes, I am far too young to have 14 grandchildren. Thank you for asking that. <laughs> we were going to ask noticed, that. See, of course you were. And I noticed on your Fitness Minute it mentioned nothing about cookies. I really think you need to go back and change that because you should be talking about cookies, don't you think? Okay, so... I have a funny story about a cookie, and I, I will try to make this so so short. But um, you, 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 you might have heard this story, but I just recently heard it, and I just think it's so cute about this woman who was at the airport, and they delayed her flight, so she ran into the uh, snack bar area and grabbed a package yeah. of cookies and you know, put them in her bag and sat down and got her book out and started reading in her book and then realized the guy sitting next to her had opened up her cookies and was taking cookies out of her bag. And so she thought, you've got to be kidding me. I cannot believe that this stranger (laughs) is eating out of my cookie bag. So she goes and grabs a cookie out thinking, okay, you're not going to eat all my cookies. (laughs) Those were like for the plane ride. And he looks at her, gives her kind of a look, and then just kept, you know, grabbing another cookie. And then she took a cookie. He took a cookie. Finally, there's one cookie left. And he, you know, gives the bag to her and says, go ahead and and take the last cookie. And she's like, unbelievable (laughs) that you're offering me my last cookie out of my bag. So she gets on the plane and she goes to get some other stuff out of the bag, and she realizes her bag of cookies are in her bag. Oh, see, that is totally something I would do. That sounds like a Ruthie story. I would do that. I would be like, what? What? And then I'd be, like, trying to be all nice and Christian and let them have the cookies and thinking maybe he's having a bad day and then realize that I'm not all that altruistic. I'm just dumb. I'd be like, no, no, no. 
And you want to run after him going, I'm sorry, I didn't realize they were your I cookies. That's all that bothered right? me. Right, exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and how do I get a hold of him? There's got to be a way. There's got to be yeah. something in the airport to tell me how to get a hold of this person so I can apologize profusely and only add to his opinion that, whoa, she is a piece of work. <laughs> you know what's funny and kind of telling is that neither one of them said a word. Isn't that yeah. kind of like the the core of the story there? Neither one of them identified that there was a problem. They both just kept eating cookies. I don't know if that's good or bad. I'm, I'm not even going to try to make that one or the other because I'm not 100% sure, ladies. <laughs> exactly. And we all have this filter. You know, we all come in with a different yeah. filter experiences and he's like okay she must be hungry and I'm okay sharing and she's over here going rude rude I know what are you doing with my cookies yeah they're for the plane oh that is so funny so So, funny you have to tell us your your latest book I I am all about reading I just love I gobble 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 up books and this this one you I love that going on here um, I haven't been able to finish it, but the beginning is is already like I just dive in because Nick Stafford, the the leading man, he he's in a situation where he's having to go meet this this woman that he doesn't want to meet, and right. you just where where are you being inspired to you know write these novels or do you find that? Um, that you've always been a reader, so now you're putting your own stories together, or is some of this just a real-life situation? I think it's some of both. I think it's probably that way with most authors, but I think it's some of both. Um, Your real-life experiences tip you in the direction of maybe what you write, how you write it, how you see the protagonists, um, and how you develop the characters, because depending on how you've lived your life or how things have um, occurred that affected your life, you have a different point of view, right? I mean, we all are used to our own normal. Normal, And that normal is tends to be coloring how we see things. So if our normal is very different, we see things a little differently. And I think that real-life experiences make a stronger point for that than if you are simply writing as a result of research into people where things happen um, and then you're trying to emulate it on the page. But I think that a lot of it comes from the fact that we have so much going on in our families today here in America. There is just a lot of um, sadness, a lot of brokenness. Um, Those things, I think, can be touched and healed by seeing a story and reading a story where the people had to face the things going wrong, and then with God's help and faith and love and patience and hopefully some humor, they overcome in the end because I really believe that learning how to be an overcomer is one of those uh, best gifts we can give people, how to um, mm-hmm. move ahead. So poor Nick, I mean, isn't he just a basket case when we start? <laughs> he is so angry. I mean, well, who would be attracted to that? It's just like, What? <laughs> I don't care how rich you are or how many cows you have, get out of here. You're kind of being a jerk. But you also <laughs> sense that inner self in him that he doesn't want to be a jerk. He's tried so hard to do what he thinks are the right things, and it's been like epic fail after epic fail. So mm-hmm. at that point, the money doesn't matter. 
the prestige, you know, being part of this huge monstrous ranch that his father developed. What matters is that he feels like he's failing, but he already failed as a husband, and now he's mm. failing as a father, and that just breaks his heart. So then you get that, like, okay, we, we could like this guy. He might be grumpy, and he might be a little weird, and he might threaten the bird with a pot of stew, but I think the bird kind of deserved it at that point. Um, mm. and, and you realize that you're going to be rooting for him because there's something about him that makes you understand that th this guy's been dealt a hand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I love what you said. You know, we do, we live in this world where, um, we're pretty messed up and twisted and we're highly dysfunctional. Yes, and I, yeah. when it, the way that you write, when that comes out, you either see yourself in part of it or you see somebody, you know, and, uh, mm -hmm. just like you said, with Nick, wounded people. Oh, my wounded... friends avoid me a lot. <laughs> I'm sorry, say that again. <laughs> so, so wait, we only have three minutes, but you're going to have to unpack no. that for They They avoid you because they, they fear that you're going to write about them? <laughs> of course, of course, of course. I take their poor, sad stories and I make money off of them. I am totally exploiting my friends. This is what I do. And then people think I'm nice. And I'm like, what? No, look at, look at, I just put her story out there for everybody to see. And, um, but you know what? Honestly, first, I never use them without permission, of course. Um, or I disguise them very, very well. And I'm very good at that, by the way. But, you know, the thing is, we all go through so many of these things at some point in our lives, and it touches mm -hmm. people in a way where I, I think, I hope, um, the characters kind of jump off the page. And as of, gosh, the beginning of January, we were well over a million books sold. And then um, I have to, I rewrote that bio for Waterbrook just a couple of weeks ago because we've doubled the book sales. And um, I've got my 20th book coming out with Love Inspired and then several others. So I am so blessed to be doing this. It's what I always dreamed of, and um, it's, it's just one of those, you know, when your midlife crises doesn't embarrass your children, that's always a good thing. <laughs> so so I, am, I am blessed to be working on this, and I love these cowboy stories. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, you know, and they're really, the cowboy stories are really emerging more, and you're hearing them more. And, yeah. you know, we're from out west, and so we know about the cowboys, and um, oh, we have yeah. a lot of Western, yeah. you know, things out here. So it resonates. And I oh, know I like Texas. for our family, I our, love um, to visit our favorite, guys. our favorite movie is Tombstone, you know, the Western. Oh and, yeah. And, my husband's and so, favorite too. Yeah. And, um, yeah, my, my, uh, the men in my family have much of it memorized. And so, yeah, it's, it's interesting, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, yeah. And that's another, but it is true. But, and there's something I think to be said a little bit, um, about the, a, a simpler way of life in some ways, but yet yes. a very different way of life that we, we're intrigued by at the same time and the I, adventure of it all and, you know, the whatever it is. So I think that, you know, that's intriguing. That's yeah. fascinating to us. So we're going to have to take a break here in just a, a, a few seconds here. But we want to come okay. back and kind of un unpack a little bit about that. It's like, why were you drawn into the, the cowboy narrative? And oh, what can we it. learn from those times that really, that you know, today that, you know, going back and just maybe kind of thinking differently or seeing life from a different perspective. So I think, cause we, we like, we like the Western flair, you know, being from out West and there's so much oh, yeah. of our, our culture 
in that and in our DNA. So we're going to come right back. You've been listening to Girlfriend It Radio, and we'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one-of-a-kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. This is the Tokenet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. recording of our own voice, it always sounds different than we think. This is because the bones in our skull create a resonance from within that makes our voice sound deeper to us. But our recorded voice is how others hear us. I'm sure I'm not the first person who has uttered the words, I really don't sound like that. Do I? Margaret Thatcher famously underwent vocal training to lower her voice and make her sound more statesmanlike. Recently, British Airways polled Americans and Britons to see who they believed had the sexiest voices. Morgan Freeman was voted number one. If a judge loves the sound of his own voice, expect a long sentence. What's a word for a person who loves to hear the sound of their own voice? A philodox. It's marching down. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. We are chatting with best-selling author Ruth Logan Hearn, and Ruth has a new book coming out, um, Home on the Range, and actually, uh, you have another one as well, Ruth, but I, I'm laughing because you made the comment of uh, being in your midlife crisis that it's great when you do things that it's not embarrassing <laughs> to your children, <laughs> and in the midst oh, of yeah. all that, our, our sound engineer is singing, Mama, Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Cowboys. So you have all kinds of <laughs> uh, conversations going on here. Uh, but so tell us a little bit about you. When did you actually start writing? And, you know, was it truly the midlife crisis that you realized, I'm just going to start writing novels because, you know, I, I don't want to ride my horses every day. I mean, what were you thinking? <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, you know what's funny is that, I think I was born writing. I think it was an inborn gift um, from my mother, and my mother was one of those those 
tortured souls who suffered from depression and alcoholism for all of my life until I was in my 30s. So I only had like 10 years with her to know the person she really was. So that shapes a lot of how I see forgiveness and grace in life because she just missed out on so much. And it was, it was, you know, such a hard time for her, but then, of course, for her children. So I look at all of that, and I realized when I got to be, gosh, in my 30s and 40s that I'd always wanted to write, but there wasn't time because there were six children and jobs. And But then one day, when my mom was dying of cancer, um, we were sorting through things, for her so she would be able to have a say in where everything went. And she said, we found some of these beautiful writings. And I said, Mom, are these yours? And she said, oh, yes. She said, yes, your talent comes from me. She said, Mm -hmm. and when you get published, Ruth, will you please use part of my name in your writing name so that everyone will know you were mine? So after so much, I know, I know. I mean, we had decades where, you know, it it was just a a rough kind of relationship because how do you get past depression and drinking, right? It's hard. And um, so I'm so thankful to God for those last 10, 11 years when she was just her normal self. And we could just have that kind of mother-daughter, you know, and grandmother-grandkid relationship going. And um, finding those beautiful writings from when she was a teenager, I saw the pattern clearly, where the talent came from, you know, where. And so I think in my head I've always been the writer, but there wasn't time. So the midlife crisis came in. I was like, okay, you know, if God gives me time, this is the goal. And then... Oddly enough, when I was, gosh, in my 40s, I started waking up in the middle of the night, two and a half hours before normal, like 3.30, 4 o'clock. And finally I realized the Holy Spirit's giving you an option here. You're waking up because you've got time now. You know, the kids are still asleep. You've been, and that's been my window of time ever since, girls. Every night I get up in the middle of the night like that and I get my writing done so that no matter what else happens through the day, I've got my story work set and... um I'm just having the time of my life. Absolutely Ooh. wonderful. So how many years so cool? have you been writing? Well, gosh, I start. I got published in 2010, so I got the call in 2009. And at that point, I had been writing um, avidly toward publication for eight years, which means, first, I sent a lot of stuff out before it was, too, before it was ready. Second, um, I might have had a big mouth, and that might have been part of my problem. <laughs> Um, you know, it's just one of those things. You kind of wait your your turn in line, and it's a little different now with indie publishing. Not everybody waits their turn in line, and I think that's okay. I think that's good for the authors. They have options. But I love working with my publishers because they have helped me see how to hone my craft, how to develop stories and characters to be a little more reflective, um, just how to deepen things because it's hard to do that on your own. Mm-hmm. And um, so when that phone call came in 2009, I was one happy camper. It was eight years of working at it while I was working other jobs. And, you know, my, half of my kids were grown by then. But, you know, it's still you're a busy mom. You're doing weddings and things like that and college graduations and all that stuff that goes along with a family um, and a job. So, mm-hmm. so, yeah, I am thoroughly blessed. 
Okay. And that, you know, that, so what's so cool it. about that is to find out what you really are passionate about and what you feel like, you know, where that, you know, you're finding your sweet spot where, you know, where, where God has really gifted you and you found that this makes you come alive. Oh, yeah. And obviously you come alive at Absolutely. 3.30 in the morning, which is pretty amazing. Yes. <laughs> right <Yes>. there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my question this is, is true do you morning nap person. in the day? <laughs> at being no. up at 3.30, no. or do you go to bed like at 5.30 in the morning? Yeah. I mean, the afternoon. No, usually, usually eight thirty, nine o'clock. I'll okay. go to bed so that when I wake up, I'm I'm fully rested and refreshed and whatnot. And that works. That works for me. It's harder in the summertime though, because up here in the summer, the sun is up until nine thirty. So mm. you can't go to bed when the sun is up, right? I mean, what kind of normal person does that? Yeah. So that's a little trickier to work the schedule. And of course, then we're busy with the farm. That makes it trickier. Yeah. But I manage. I manage. Mm. Um, well, you know, you normal know, you is overrated, about, so, you know. It, it, oh, I agree. I agree. I think normal tends to be somewhat boring, and my family has borne me out. They would <laughs> attest that it's, it's something that I obviously did not get blessed with, and um, I'm happy to say they're all pretty abnormal, too. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you sound like you say that with pride. So I love that. Isn't it? This is, I know. This is who we are. Well, <laughs> yeah. It well, is. Pat and I were talking about that earlier about, you know, just the, the areas in life where sometimes we focus on where we feel inadequate instead of going, you know, that's okay because over here I can do this. And focusing on the parts yeah. of us that, yeah. um, you know, that, that where we can do something instead of focusing on where we can. And that's where so many of us tend yeah. to camp out is in the in our places that where we feel inadequate or inferior. So um, and it's I think, so great I think to women just give each other permission to go. It's okay not to be normal and to do this kind of stuff. So yeah, that's encouraging. And, and where are you, where you're obviously your biggest strengths lie. Those are also your, your largest weaknesses, but that's at least for me, that's where I compare myself the most with is when you are in like, with Ruth, you're obviously you're highly creative. And then when you're with people that are highly analytical you are trying to mirror them just to build rapport. And that's when I think it's magnified what you were saying, Lisa, when we're with those that, you know, are using these large vocabulary words and highly articulate. And, you know, like you said, our baby words, I think is what, how you. It is funny because when you get into a crowd that um, is, um, either better educated or, um, gosh, more illustrious, I, I tend to get quieter because, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, the old saying of you can let people think you're stupid, but then you can open your mouth and prove it. So I try not to do that when I'm in, you know, one of those situations. But the funny thing is that I really tend to not be intimidated by those people because in my head I'm going to put them in a book and mm. they're never going to recognize themselves but when they put other people in a situation where it's awkward deliberately or they get ostentatious they're funny oh no they're going in a book then it will that's my little sweet revenge and it's not even mean because nobody knows who I'm making fun of doesn't Taylor Swift do that with a lot of her songs I think she does very talented yes. girl so I take a little page out of Taylor's book and, you know, we, we just turn them into a character and they get theirs. 
they get theirs. Well, but I, yeah, I, I tend to. Go ahead. I just. It was well, just funny, Ruth, when you say that um, Lisa and I went to a conference with, um, I, I'm, not, I'm really not quite sure why we were invited because it was um, highly in, intellectuals and not saying that we can't hold our own, but it was one of those where it was completely magnified. And we happened to be in the center eating while there was one gal on one side of Lisa and then there was one gal on the you know next side of me and we were like in the middle of these bookends and they were having a conversation and every time we would go you know take our fork up to our mouth they would ask each other something and they they were completely (laughs) leaning in like trying to talk to each other and we we couldn't even pretend to participate in this conversation and I, I don't know, Lisa, I think you might have been squeezing my knee just so we wouldn't laugh because we were. Oh, it was beyond. It was I totally another can language. See it. it was totally another language where you're like, I'm out. Can I just eat my, my breakfast here? Um, but yeah, that's when you realize, okay, two of us are not like the other two. So, yeah. yeah but we were like okay the with Sesame that. Street thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I've always found it a little funny and curious. Um, because I think we've all found ourselves in those situations where people use either edu speak or or medical speak or political speak, um, and, and they're just trying. You know, they're introducing words that really aren't part of the normal language and probably are only accepted in textbooks. Then you're like, okay, this is kind of like if you're sitting there between two Spanish speaking people and they speak Spanish deliberately, and you know they're talking about you. You know, you're 99% sure that you're the hombre in the middle kind of thing. Um, because it is. It's like a different language sometimes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. But that's funny. I bet you guys giggle about that afterwards. Oh, you, While you're you reading have about to, Cowboys, You have to giggle or, or you go, I, I, yeah, I got nothing here. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Got nothing. So yeah, we we do a lot of laughing, and that's that saves in, inside and outside sometimes, you know, when it's appropriate. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, you just have to laugh your way through life, and that's what we found because otherwise it can be paralyzing, and you start focusing on the other things. But it's like where where's the joy in this? Where is the humor? And like for you, you're like, okay, you're going to be a character, you know, and it's like. That's oh, how I. That's yep. how I. I handle this. You know. It's so. I think it's our coping mechanisms that we have to discover what works for us. Well, we're going to have to take a quick break again at the end of another segment, um, and we want to come back okay. and we want to keep talking about some more of this and true confessions and all this stuff. So um, we'll be right back <laughs> with girlfriend. I know you like that. We Patty and I have done enough do. true confessions on this show, so I think it, it's we still need to hear from you, Ruthie, a little bit more. We'll be right back with girlfriend at radio. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. 
My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. This is the Tokinet Radio Network. Radio with a cutting edge. The League of Women Voters reminds you that on Election Day, we are all equal. Please join your friends and neighbors by registering to vote and going to the polls November 8th. Visit www.vote411.org to find out who will be on your ballot and how the voting process works in your community. This election is about our future. And we all need to weigh in. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back. We are talking with best-selling author Ruth Logan Hearn. And uh, Ruth, I love what people are saying about your book, just talking about how you write about wounded, damaged characters grasping for grace with both hands. And Aww, what a nice thing to say. So um, true how uh, you can write about those topics, but then offer the grace that, that is there and be able to turn that around. And, and you're, you've dealt with addiction, divorce, mental illness, not you personally. Well, maybe you have, but you're writing about right, all, right. all of this. And, and I love that how you're saying, you know, you write about all your friends. And what, I got this visual in my mind that you're sitting there having lunch with your girlfriends and you pull out your notepad and pen. <laughs> <laughs> start writing things down. <laughs> so, um, I, I just, I do love that you address these topics cause they're, they're definitely important in oh, our world you. right now. So what exactly, yeah. tell us a little bit more about it. What, are you dealing with the, some of that? Like you said, you know, with your mom and things that came from a personal level where you just realized, okay, God is calling me to write about this so we can see beyond these issues and really get to the grace and the human being that that's here. What, what inspires you to write? Um, I think very honestly, I've always had a calling to write stories that will help women feel stronger about themselves, to feel more empowered, more um, freely deserving of God's grace and forgiveness. Mm. And I think that the beautiful examples of forgiveness in the Bible that Jesus set are so adaptable to everything we see in our lives today that forgiveness is the key to so many things, to keeping families together, to keeping um, children um, focused and upright, to keeping relationships. I mean, it's always so sad to me when I see families that are just torn with resentment or um, holding grudges and 
it, it's just sad because that tears at the very fabric of us as part of God's family. So I always aim toward that. And some of the things come from real life, you know, from having to deal with um, the problems that my mom had and then, you know, watching other people struggle with those those other issues, divorce and death and losing a spouse. Now, I haven't had to do any of those. My husband is still my husband. And um, while I'm here in New York City, he's home taking care of the dogs and a few uh, cute little kids that come to visit me after school doing homework with them and uh, the chickens. So, but I think part of it is I've always wanted children to grow up with the idea that they can do and be anything. And I worked for nine years in a special ed classroom with emotionally disturbed kids and could see the effects of broken families and broken dreams on those kids. So when you see those characters in my books or when you see the broken dreams of the parents, that's reflective oftentimes of what I saw happening in those families with those children who were now taken out of a regular classroom, put in a classroom where it's very restricted, and how we could maybe shape their lives a little bit better by helping parents to be a little bit stronger. Mm. You know, it, it's interesting. I, I come from a family of teachers. My mom was a teacher, and it seems as though there's so much more of the struggles in the classroom and where the teachers do feel like they're out of control and they don't have the principles that are backing them up. Um, do you just That's in a very good point right there. Is just the authority sorry, not backing them up? Yeah, well, yeah. It, well, that was my question. What, what do you think's going on that we are having so many more issues in the classroom? I would guess it's a combination. You've got a breakdown of the family. You've got, um, so there's not the follow through. You've got a breakdown in school systems because I think sometimes they're willing to dance to the drummer to get whatever state or federal dollars. And sometimes that's a numbers game. And therefore it's better for them to look like kids are succeeding in the classroom even when they're not. And I do think there's a lack of support for teachers. And if you fear for your job or fear for your standing because you, the kids in your classroom are being sent to the principal and that kind of is like a demerit against you that you can't contain them all in class, even if they're being very objectionable, well, now we've got a really kind of unfair standard going, right? I mean, then the teacher's darned if she does or he does and darned if they don't. So I, I think there's a lot of blame to go around there, but I like to look beyond the blame and think it's like the starfish story. When that boy was on that beach and he was throwing those starfish in and that man said, son, what are you doing? And the boy said, well, I'm throwing him back in the water. And the man looked at all those starfish, thousands of them, and he said, how can you possibly make a difference? And the boy threw one more starfish back into the rolling surf, and he said, well, it made a difference to that one. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right there. Every time you touch a life and help it, I think you cause a ripple. And if more and more of us are touching lives and helping them, more ripples. Yeah. And I think it helps. Yeah. 
Well, you, you write about this, this family saga about the, the brothers and the relationship between the brothers and Mm -hmm. what, what inspired you there? I'm, I, like I said, I'm the baby of six and I have three brothers and two sisters and <laughs> have a very tight, tight family. And it's interesting because as you're getting older, you know, I, I always thought I, I lived in this like beautiful Brady Bunch family. And as we're getting older, we're laughing more about the, the snippets of dysfunction that took place that you're not aware oh, of sure. until sure. you get older and you start pointing out Oh, really? Did that happen? And oh, really? <laughs> yes. Yes. So I think we can all identify you? with that. I, you know, it's it's funny when you talk about the three Stafford brothers because they were great characters to come up with. And I took a little bit from Bonanza. Remember that? The three boys. Yes. And yes. They, none of them had mothers. So I took a little bit from that and then a little bit from that old show Dynasty, I never watched it, but I knew it was about a rich ranching type Texas. Wasn't it a Texas family? And they just had created this dynasty, and I wanted the ranch to be that kind of a thing, but I wanted it modern day, which is why I gave it all the uh, fun beef aspects of um, beef production and how amazing it is now. But mostly I wanted these to be three motherless boys mm. because – you grow up as a motherless child, and there's a gap. And there's a mm-hmm. gap that most of us try and try to fill in some way or another, and that's not always in positive ways. And by showing each boy and why they were motherless and how they worked so hard to fill that gap, but until they were willing to really kind of just give themselves over to God, realize that they couldn't change the past, but they had everything to do with the future it was just an absolute blessing to build their stories and the new one that comes out in may um peace in the valley the third one that wraps everything up is just beautiful oh my gosh i'm in love with this guy myself he's so sweet and wounded and you just want to fix some girls you know <laughs> looking for for something to fill that that void and and in this one peace in the valley Trey was the adopted son. He was the little boy that Sam went and rescued. So the big, mean old rancher that all only cared about money took off for California when his sister died and rescued this little boy from a police station, hauled him right up into his arms and took him home. And that's what Trey sees in Sam. And that's why this one is, a, his relationship is so different than the other boys because Sam was his hero. He can overlook the gruffness and all the the tough guy stuff because Sam rescued him. And that's made a big difference in his life. But in the meantime, he has to deal with the fact that his mother didn't care about him. And that's that's pretty harsh in a little kid, right? We don't want little kids to feel like that. So the but the older two boys. Let's let's talk that prodigal stuff for a minute because I love that story. I love the lost lamb. You know, go searching for that last lamb. I love the prodigal. And the first story back in the saddle is the prodigal son story. Colt comes back. He's run into trouble. His father's also run into trouble with illness, so he really needs Colt back. So they have, like, an uneasy peace. But then there's Nick, the guy that stayed, trying to make everything right and failing. So Home on the range is the other brother. In The Prodigal Son, it was the older brother, and in this one, he's um, about a year and a half younger. 
but it's his story of how he gets usurped when his big brother comes back, of how he's tried so hard and feels like he's failed, and just that discontent inside him because he could never be Colt. He knew that his father loved his first wife, um, and Nick's mother left them all. So she left two little boys and her husband and went off. So he just always feels like he came in second because he did chronologically, right? He's the second born, but because he always felt like his father maybe never really loved his mother or she would have stayed, and he just didn't have room in his heart for another woman because he still loved his first wife. And, you know, all that stuff that kids muddle up in their heads because they're kids. They speak as a child. They think as a child. And But if you don't get it straightened out when you're young, man, it's kind of a mess of crazy when you're a grown-up, isn't it? Yes. Absolutely. But nobody guides you and tells you that. That's why these books are good, because you can <laughs> exactly. be able to unpack that and, and figure that out. Well, we just have a minute before we go in. Well, we're not going into a break. We're finishing the show. So I have to ask you, Ruth, um, real quick, where can we find out more about you? Where can we find about, out more about how we can get a hold of your new book, Peace in the Valley, that's just coming out? And my last question will be, uh, do your kids read your books? Because I think it's funny. Um, so many times when you ask authors that, they're like, no, not really, because it's mom. <laughs> so, yeah, that's so funny. 50% of them do. Three do and three don't. So that answers that one. Um, folks can find me on the web. If you put in Ruth Logan Hearn, it is just kind of embarrassing how many pages come up. But it's also good, according to the people that deal with analytics and things like that. And so RuthLoganHearn.com. And the books, they are actually re-releasing Back in the Saddle, Home on the Range, and then releasing Peace in the Valley. So in four weeks, Back in the Saddle comes out again, but it's in mass market paperback form, and it's going to be all over the country. So I'm just amazed and blessed to have this be part of this whole package. So Not wherever you awesome. buy mass market paperback, it will be there. Right. Well, you have been listening to Girlfriend at Radio, and we will chat with you again next week. Thanks again, Ruth, for being on our show. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show 